When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to FIGP's podcast series, FIGP Focus 45. FIGP is the only international NGO whose membership consists entirely of IP attorneys in private practice. The FIGP global community is driven by a shared interest among like-minded people to promote common solutions and advocacy for private practice. The FIGP business family makes the world a little bit smaller, bringing independent IP attorneys from around the globe together to focus on IP issues of global importance. Our host is Louis-Pierre Gravel, a registered patent agent and partner at Bereskin & Par in Montreal, Canada. Welcome to FICP's webinar and podcast series, FICP Focus 45. My name is Louis-Pierre Gravel, and I'm a partner at Bereskin & Par in Montreal, Canada. Today, I will be having a conversation with Malgorzata Gruslewska from the European Union Intellectual Property Office and more particularly, the customer department. Gosia, as her friends call her, will discuss the quality initiative at the EU IPO, known as SQUAP. Good morning, good afternoon, Gosia. How are you? Good afternoon, good morning. I'm good. Thank you, Andy. Great, thank you. So the customer service branch at EU IPO, what does that do? Yeah, in the customer uh, department, we are in charge of direct contact with, the, uh, with our customers. We provide different solutions. I'm a part of the customer feedback team, for example, and we gather in our team uh, feedback via different channels. Then we analyze it, and then we propose the different initiatives, different solutions in order to improve the um, experience of users with our products and services. So the program we're going to be discussing today is an initiative that was recently launched, I understand, called SQUAP. Um, so what is SQUAP? And, and what is the, the goals of the program? So SQUAP is a forum uh, where the users are assessing the quality of the EIPO decisions against the quality criteria, which are based on the guidelines of the EIPO. And these quality controls are conducted in form of this audits of the product audits. So our users used to uh, gather at the UIPO before the pandemics. Now we are doing it online. And they assess the quality of the decisions, checking it according to this checklist with the check uh, with the 
quality checks, and uh, it's a part of the EIPO quality management system. So uh, it involves users in the EIPO quality management system in this quality controls. We have this like a channel of communication with our users and EIPO on the quality of EIPO decisions. It aims to integrate the user perspective in order to improve the quality of the EIPO products decisions. And it's a great opportunity to interact with the EIPO. The customers are interacting with the experts from the EIPO, legal experts, examiners directly, and also between the peers from other user associations. And this uh, initiative was launched under the strategic project SP2020 of EIPO in 2017. So first of all, it was the project and after three years, it was successful and it was implemented in the EIPO operations as part of the quality management system. We're, we're talking a lot about the quality of the decisions that come from EUIPO. So what is the problem that this program uh, sought to address? What, what was the issue that led to the creation of this program? Yes. Yeah, so why we are doing all this, right? All this, all these checks by the uh, customers. So we need to go back more or less to 2015 when we are uh, talking about the why of SQUAP. When we were analyzing the results of one of the customer satisfaction surveys, and we realized that the quality as perceived by, the, uh, by our customers was not aligned with the internal quality metrics, which we were measuring here in the office, in the EIPO, in our internal quality checks. Of course, internally, we were checking and measuring these metrics uh, according to our established quality criteria, against the law, against the uh, guidelines. And obviously, in the satisfaction survey, we are measuring the perception of users. So these two metrics are not exactly the same. So we wanted to somehow close this gap between these two perspectives, right? The, the internal quality metrics, which were on the higher level of satisfaction, let's say, and this uh, satisfaction um, of the users, which was on the lower level. So we wanted to somehow close this gap between these two perspectives. We wanted to integrate the customer perspective. One of the options was to do this product audits, product quality audits in form uh, of the stakeholder quality assurance panels. And this is how the methodology was established. And we wanted to involve the EIPO customers directly in the quality checks, directly in the quality management system in order to receive a direct feedback from them on the quality of the EIPO decisions, because then it's, it's a good opportunity to, to go and ask them. And then we could put this perspective into our decisions. And I need to say that EIPO is a customer-focused organization, and we always put our customers in the heart of everything we do. So this initiative shows very well that this objective uh, is met because we basically, on the feedback received, we take actions and we then uh, can improve the quality of the EIPO decisions. We listen to the, uh, to the customers. The fact that you're saying the EUIPO is a customer-centric uh, organization is interesting. I'm going to ask a question, and you know, if you don't know the answer, that's fine. What we've seen sometimes is that um, IP offices around the world talk a lot about being customer-centric. Sometimes the understanding of who the customer is can be a little bit different. In the case of the UIPO, as in many different offices, end users, so the applicants, so the owners of the IP rights are customers, but the persons that interact the most with the office are the agents. 
And they are also your customers to a great degree. And so when you talk about being customer centric, are you talking about being focused on the applicants or focused on the agents or both? We are focused on both because here in the office, we try always to meet the needs of, of different segments of users. Uh, we are working also with small and medium enterprises. We uh, work with the agents, with the direct applicants. So we try to always um, provide the services and products to all of the users of the EIPO. So for us, customers are all of them. Uh, we work in in all the languages of the EI of the of the European Union. So you know, like we are trying to always provide the services for all the segments of users here. The other thing you mentioned a little bit earlier is that you're, this is based on an audit of some decisions. So I, I suspect that it's not all of the decisions of the UIPO that can go through the, the program. So, so how does it work? Who triggers the audit? Is it, is it someone that actually triggers it or is it just a random selection of, of decisions? Yes. So uh, we are doing audits on different decisions, on different products. So on opposition decisions, on absolute grants decisions, on design and validity decisions, and on the cancellation decisions. So we cover all the first instance decisions here in the office. And um, how does it work? So if we talk about this, the whole process, we could split it into three parts. First, there, there is like an audit preparation, then there is an audit, and then there is a follow-up of the audit. So first, we need to extract the sample of decisions. So these decisions uh, are taken from the whole production of the decisions, and then we select them randomly, according to some criteria, because for example, audits are performed in, in English. So we, we select decisions which are um, written in English. So all the participants to the SQUAP audit can read them in the same language. So we prepare the sample of the decisions and then we assign these decisions to the participating SQUAP auditors because SQUAP auditors, we call the ones who are participating to our SQUAP audits. So we assign them to, to these auditors and each decision is assigned to two of, of them. And then we distribute them more or less one month before the actual audit takes place. In this time, the uh, SQUAP auditors are assessing the quality of the decisions. They file the findings in the online checklist and they use the same quality criteria, which I was referring at the beginning, which we are using here internally in the office. And uh, then they file different um, findings like critical errors, non-critical errors, uh, suggestions. And then they also provide like overall rating of the decision. So on one hand, they spot little mistakes. And on the other hand, the overall rating, like the overall impression of each of the decisions, which can be decision actions needed. This is a decision which contains at least one critical error. This means that it could be the decision which the outcome is not correct. Uh, then there can be a compliant decision. So this is the decision which could contain a non-critical error, the error which does not need does not lead to the decision being in actions needed in, in the incorrect outcome. It's just small mistake or, or something we should have corrected before the notification to the users, but actually uh, for some reason it was not. And then uh, the, the auditors can always file their point of view as suggestion. So any comment on the decision, anything they would like to say about the decision, they can put as a suggestion. And then we have the third category of the decisions, which are excellent decisions. So this we like to see, actually. We like to see the decisions which are of the best quality here, 
so then we um, so these decisions cannot contain any error and these decisions then serves us for the best practices for the training purposes so then we use them to know what our customers want to see in our decisions how they would like to have our decisions so this is um, this is uh, about the checking the quality and then during the audit the auditors are discussing the findings so each and every error is discussed between the auditors and the uh, experts from the office so the eipo experts legal experts examiners are everything is discussed between them and with peers from other user associations from the uh, ei uh, from from the european union so uh, then on the last uh, at the end of the audit we prepare the audit report because the proper audit uh, takes uh, place during two days. So at the end of the second day, we prepare the audit report where we file all the all the information, statistical one, and uh, then it is this report is uh, approved by the SQAP auditors. So we spoke about the audit preparation, audit, and now what happens after the audit is an audit follow-up. So once the auditors go home or <laughs> disconnect, our experts here in the office gather and they analyze each and every fi finding of the auditors and they answer to, to this, checking if um, the um, finding was correct. I mean, because sometimes our customers, our SQAP auditors put some findings which are not actually against the guidelines. So we answer to each and every of these findings. And then we send this report to all the participating users and all the user associations who are um, in this um, initiative. And then on based on the feedback, we analyze all the findings, all this feedback, and then we uh, propose the actions to improve the quality, to, to tackle these issues which were kind of detected during the, uh, during the audit. And then we implement them, obviously. So this is more or less the, the process, high-level process. So the, the errors or the, the mistakes or the issues that are raised during the audit, some of them can be systemic. They can be an error that occurs more often because there's a training issue, either because the training material hasn't been properly adapted or the examiners uh, have not internalized the training properly. So, the, and, and I can see how the, the process would address some of those issues in terms of in increasing the quality of the training materials so that the frontline persons who are doing the work are, in, are better equipped to render these excellent decisions that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with these outliers? So these, these situations that are unique, that are not necessarily a lack of training material, but such simply an examiner made a mistake, period. Maybe not examiner, but someone at the office made a mistake, resulted in this decision. It's a, it's a one of a kind situation and it doesn't require that a heavy process to get back to whether or not some training materials need to be updated. Yes, so we analyze case by case and we need to say that the decisions we are checking are final are after the notification of the users. And I also need to highlight that we are checking the quality of the products, not the work of each and every examiner. So we never refer to the examiners to, to their work. It's we, we check the quality of the product. So then we just go on the case by case and on the case by case and then we if there are any actions legal actions which should be taken they, they would be taken 
but um, as, as you say, it, they are really like punctual ones. So then our legal experts, our examiners participating to SQUAP, they, they analyze and they would uh, take actions which, which would be necessary. So I'm going to go back to one of the questions I asked earlier, and, and forgive me if, if you answered mm -hmm. it. How do the, the work products or the, the, the products that get audited or run through this program, how, how does that occur? Is it someone who makes a request or is it just a random sampling? It's a random sampling. We okay. just take the whole production of the decision and then we select the, the sample. Actually, there are, the, the sample is taken from the decisions which were checked in the internal quality checks and the decisions which were not checked in the quality, internal quality checks. So then we are checking also the system of our internal quality checks. And but it's a random selection. Yeah, totally so it's random. a random selection. I, as, a, as the recipient of a decision, I could not you know, manifest myself and say, I don't agree with this decision. I think it's wrong. It should be going to the audit process. No, 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 no. Uh, we, we select the decisions, as I say, uh, randomly. We, what we do is we exclude the, the cases of the uh, participating uh, squad auditors. So the agents who are participating, we, we are checking the conflict of interest. We are, we are doing some checks, like some requirement. The decisions are in English, as I say, to, to do this conflict of interest, of course, because someone cannot get, you could not get the decision you were involved in, obviously. So there are some checks, but these are just, just random. Um, and sometimes they are very easy cases, sometimes very, very complex cases. And during this swap audit, sometimes even we receive this um, request from our um, participants that they would prefer to have like more juicy cases, more complicated <laughs> ones, right? And uh, what, what we say is, look, these are the cases we have. So sometimes we prefer uh, additional training for them on the selected decisions. But the okay. process is to extract the decisions um, randomly. Okay, so we're in 2022 today. The program stems from a user survey that was, that was run back in 2015. There's a pilot project in 2017. 2020 comes along. The program is actually instituted. In that timeline, where can you point to improvements that are a direct result of the program? I mean, um, we started as a first audit in 2017. Then we were actually, during the first year, it was, as you say, a little bit like pilot. We were adapting the methodology, we were seeing how it goes. And in uh, 2017, so we were just, just fine-tuning the methodology, it was still the project. Then in 2018, and, and we were working on the opposition decisions. Then in 2018, we started the audits on absolute grounds, and we followed with the audits on the opposition decisions. So this year was already up and running, and then uh, the methodology was established. We, we have mm, almost the same methodology uh, like we have now. And then in 2019, we added the uh, audits on design invalidity decisions, and then in 2020, it was planned to add the audits on cancellation decisions, but due to the pandemics, we need to change the approach to go online. It was quite a big change for us. And um, we uh, postponed the first audit on cancellation decisions to the March 2021. So I just want to show you like how we were extending the program. And now it's fully integrated in our operations, covering all the first instance decisions. And basically, as I say, first in 2018, it was established as the methodology. And then we were adapting the improvements on, on after each and every SQAP audit. Because for example, even in 2017, 
we got the feedback from the users. I remember that, that uh, for example, in the opposition decisions, they saw that the representation of the signs was somewhere at the end of the decision. And they told us, when you start comparing the, the signs, it would be nice to see it at the very beginning of the decision so we know what is the sign. So it was implemented, it was a very easy change for us. It was the change in the template. So the templates were amended actually in the next revision of the template. So it was uh, changed almost immediately. So, I mean, we are putting the, if there are this kind of little changes, we can really adapt it very quickly. But in some cases, it's a process which takes quite quite long of any improvements. For example, when in one of the audits, we uh, see that the pair of, goods and services in the similarity tool, which is a binding tool here in the office, and examiners must to use a similarity tool. And we see that the pair of uh, goods and services is incorrect or should be um, different. Then we amend it after each of the SQAP audits. So um, some tools are amended, like um, goods and services comparer. I mean, the, the different, uh, different tools and different uh, changes are adapted after each and every SQAP audit. But if you refer maybe to that, this reduction of the gap as well. <laughs> well, exactly. So that was going to be my next question. What are the measures of success? Because you're right, you talked originally about, about decreasing this gap between what the office and the, the user perception. So mm -hmm. what are the measures of success? Yes, so we have different measure of success. I, 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 it results to be actually successful projects. So, so there are many, many measures. First of all, we have a, a key performance indicator here in the office, which is a part of EIPO balance scorecard. And it's called quality of first instance decisions of the office as perceived by users. And it is the, based on the results of SQAP audits. At the, the percentage of excellent and compliant decisions. So this is one of the, um, this is a KPI. Then uh, we think, I, I think that the, 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 the very um, important measurement of success is the involvement of user associations. Because uh, as you think that we are working with user associations, they provide us nominees and the representatives of user associations who are participating to the SQAPs, each and every SQAP, takes two days of audit, uh, half a day of the introduction session, and then they need to do an assessment of the decisions. They need to go through all the documents, uh, through the decisions, file the findings. So it's a lot of work and there is no remuneration for this. It's, uh, there is no, like, uh, so, so it's a, a very successful initiative for us when we see that we have more and more auditors. And now we are counting on more than 100 auditors on the list of SQAP auditors. So, uh, so I think it's also um, an indicator of success. Then after each and every SQAP audit, we launch a satisfaction survey where we ask uh, the participants about different aspects of the audit. And here we, we check how it, uh, we can improve the, the audit itself. And then we also uh, measure this. As we speak about this gap, uh, also, we reduced quite quite a lot because uh, when I was checking the results of 2018, the gap uh, between uh, in during the first audits, what was considered the decisions with errors here in the office, and between what was um, filed by the auditors was around 17 percent. 
And now we are talking about 2%, 1.7 in the case of opposition decisions, for example. So we lowered this gap. So these two perspectives are getting closer and we can see the results that the quality of the decisions are improving. And also, um, if I can mention that SWAP received an, an award from the European Contact Center and Customer Service Awards in the category of best use of customer insights. We were competing with different uh, private organizations, private companies, and we, we got a silver win for this, uh, for this initiative. So it's also a, a success for us and we are proud of it. We received it March 2000, in March 2021, so, so it's quite, quite new. So there are many measures of success and even this conversation, I think, is that there is an interest in quality and in this initiative, right? <laughs> Exactly. And congratulations on winning that award. I mean, this is clearly a recognition of the of the extremely hard work, but very, very positive results that are coming out of this program. And I think, you know, EU should be commended for this. And thank you very much for sharing that the, the award. That's great. Wonderful. I guess one of the questions is, well, for opposition decisions, you've narrowed the gap to, to 2%. Where do you go from here? Uh, now we are actually, um, we want to continue. We strive always for the uh, continuous improvement. So as I say, it's a fully integrated now initiative in the EIPO quality management system. Uh, we cover all the first instance decisions of the office. So as I said, opposition decisions, absolute ground decisions, design value decisions, cancellation decisions. And, uh, and so we want to, to continue. And um, we count on the involvement of 14 user associations represented by more than 100 users. Uh, so obviously we would like to have more, <laughs> more participation if, if possible, because we would like to extend more and more. And um, we always strive to um, providing the customers with the best quality of our products and services. And actually now, um, there are different initiatives which are taken based on SWAP. So, for example, um, there, is a, there was a pilot initiative launched with the national offices of the uh, national IT offices from the member states of uh, European Union. And um, we were like the SWAP auditors were checking that the customers were checking the, the, in the convergence of practice in the decisions of the different uh, national offices of uh, intellectual property. Also in, in the area of uh, services, we are doing another initiative which takes the best practices from SWAP, which is called customer panels. We strive now to, to have the systematic way of auditing because this is something very important in this, in this initiative that we, we do it systematically. So we do it on a quarterly basis, we compare the results, we do all this uh, audits in a, in a systematic way. So, I mean, we, we need to continue. We need to continue and strive to, for, for the best. What I'm getting from you is that there's a there's a, a philosophy of continuous improvement within EU IPO yes. that is in large part supported by the SWAP initiative in order to make sure that the quality of the, of the work product that comes out of the EU IPO is at the best possible quality. And you touched upon a little bit extending the program to other IP offices, national IP offices. Apart from, from those IP offices, have you shared your experience with any other IP office, uh, regional or national, not necessarily a member of, of the European Union? 
during many events, international events, we share the methodology of SQUAD. We, we give presentations on the seminars, on the liaison meetings, on, on different events where EIPO is invited. We share the, the methodology of SQUAP and we are always open to provide any information if any IP office would like to, to get more information or more details on it because now, you know, that it's a very, we cannot provide all the details in this conversation, for example. So we always, uh, we are very open and we, we share the, the methodology, the, the, this initiative with other of IP organizations around the world. So I'm just curious, when you work with some of the national IP offices within Europe, are you doing the, the audit for them or are you helping them implement a SQUAP process? What we did so far was not the audit, actually, because uh, the auditing um, exercise is very strict and we need to follow really like very meticulous process, very rigorous one. We do other initiatives which are based on the best practices, but maybe not in the form of the audits. And the initiative which was uh, launched uh, last uh, November uh, was known as Knowledge Exchange on Common Practices with Users. And it was organized by EIPO and the national offices provided the decisions. So we kind of organized it. We, we then asked the uh, SQUAP auditors in this case to participate and other customers as well. And, uh, and it was done by the EIPO. So a subsequent question was would be, well, so now you've rolled this out with some IP offices, have they picked up on this or are they continuing down this, this path or have they sort of thought this, well, yeah, okay, this is interesting, but it doesn't really apply to us? To be honest, I'm not aware if any other uh, IP national office um, implemented this initiative. As long as I know, the national offices were uh, are not implementing it yet, but I think it's a question of time. And of course, a program like this is not a it's not a light program, and it, it's a it's a relatively heavy, complex um, a program to set up. So you need you need some dedicated resources to be able to do something like that. And there has to be a sufficient volume of applications or decisions or work product mm -hmm. to be able to justify implementing a process like that. So I can I can see how some offices might not want to pick this up because they don't have the the resources, but uh, we only have a few minutes left already. Time flies when we're having these great discussions. What do you see as some of the next steps for the for the program? I mean, you're continuing, obviously, on trying to further narrow the gap, not just for the opposition decisions, but for other work products of the office. But once you've gotten there, what are the next steps that you might be thinking of? Yeah, I mean, um, basically what I, what I explained that we will continue this, we will uh, involve further our customers in the quality management system. We will try to get more and more SQUAP auditors, cooperate with more and more user associations. And uh, we will strive for the, the best quality of our products and services, always uh, putting more and more efforts into uh, reaching this excellence, right? Because when we spoke, speak about quality, we speak about the excellence, about providing the best quality solutions to the customers and always putting ourselves in the shoes of our customers uh, and thinking about them in everything we do. So we want to continue this and uh, then, uh, if possible, then also work with other national offices in order to extend it to other, to other areas of, of convergence. So one of the questions that our users would have, or 
perhaps the opportunity for you, what are the key information points that you'd like to communicate to our listeners who are most likely mostly agents that represent mm-hmm. applicants before EUIPO and other offices? So what would be the one or two points that you think they really should keep in mind subsequent to this presentation this morning? Yes, in general, um, as I say, EIPO is so customer-focused organization that we would really like to convey the message that involving the users in the quality controls in the quality management system is a key um, aspect of managing the quality. In this case, we're talking about the decisions because the, the, the quality of the decisions improves and it can be seen uh, in, the, in the decisions which we are providing now. And even though maybe you think, okay, you have like 100 SQAP auditors, which you are working with, but they are the voice of all the users and all the benefits goes to all the IP, um, IP users of uh, EUIPO. So um, it brings the customers closer to our organization. And it's a really positive experience, learning experience for both parties. On one hand, the EUIPO listens directly and uh, can, uh, can listen to all the feedback received from the participating SQAP auditors and our examiners are invited to the sessions. So it's a real eye-opener for them when they hear the discussions on the real cases, on the real aspects of quality of, of the decisions. So um, on the other hand, the uh, users are understanding why the decisions are taken the way they are taken, why, why there are some aspects of the decisions which, which are there, right? So um, in this world of IP, which is changing so quickly, so dynamically, thanks to the initiatives such as SQAP, the quality of decisions and the awareness of of the decision taker is, 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 is improving. So I would like to also encourage maybe our, our uh, listeners uh, to take part in SQAP and then they could, you know, test it on their own and uh, just uh, come and see how it works. And if they like it, they would stay with us. Thank you very much for that. I, I do have a couple of, you know, last questions that are just yeah. coming to mind as we're, as I'm look, looking back on the or thinking back on the presentation, the first one is you identified circumstances in which one of the products or a decision that comes out of EUIPO contains a critical error, and therefore the critical error needs to be corrected. And therefore, I suspect the decision needs to be changed. How are applicants notified of situations like this? As I said, this is on a case-by-case basis. So then our legal experts would take care of it because to be honest, then we leave it to the legal department. And to be honest, okay. I'm not involved in it. Okay. Okay. So, so, so if I'm an applicant, um, I don't know that my that decision I received has been involved in SQAP. No, I'm no, no. Everything not. is confidential. Everything is confidential. And our SQAP auditors, they might, they need to sign confidentiality agreement because uh, we, as I said, we are assessing the quality of the products as, as a total of, of, of opposition cancellation. We are not talking about the specific decisions. So they cannot reveal the cases under audit. Uh, they, we always encourage them to talk about the findings, about the practice of the office, about any aspects uh, they learned during the SQAP audit, but they cannot say the cases under audit 
in our uh, reports, we also always anonymize the question, uh, the, the decisions. We just put the, the decision one, decision five, decision 10. You never know the decision which was okay. audited. So they are not aware, the applicant would not know that uh, their decision is under audit. Okay, so, and just to be clear, if there is a situation where the audit has revealed a critical error, a decision probably should be reversed, then you send that off to the legal department at the EUIPO, and then they do what they need to do with that. Yes. I mean, okay. they then they check if there are any further actions which could be taken or not. Okay. That's now, depends. the last question, again, you may not have the answer to this, and that's fine. And it's not something that I, that I thought about when we were preparing for this interview. Okay. <laughs> um, different offices are exploring introducing artificial intelligence tools in order to assist them in preparing decisions before they are actually issued by an examiner or in fact making decisions that might be a little bit premature but certainly there is a there is a uh, a desire and there's some traction to implement ai tools to be able to assist the offices in rendering these decisions do you know if euipo is looking at this at all and if they are do you know if any of the decisions test decisions or otherwise have gone through the the squad process at the moment we uh I, in the office we work a lot on the artificial intelligence being implemented in different areas but at the moment as long as i know that i can be not aware about this uh, the decisions are not drafted by the uh, artificial intelligence so in uh, in squad we would not have these cases um so, so maybe when we talk next time we'll have some ai decisions that are coming yeah. out and maybe for sure i pretty much all the time we have thank you very much for this it's been you know for me it's been eye-opening it's a very interesting prog program certainly anyone who is uh, on the receiving end of decisions by administrative offices such as euipo we're all concerned about the highest possible quality of those decisions because that leads to transparency it leads to uh, reasonable expectations on what would happen in the office and applicants are happy at the end of the day so the it, this effort for for any participant is is clearly uh, a very very important effort and you know the the work that you do and and your colleagues at the customer service branch needs to be recognized and uh, and applauded for for this so thank you very very much for this yes um as we uh, as we leave do you have any final words for our for our listeners yeah so thank you very much first of all for the invitation to speak the webinar and I would like to thank FICPI for the involvement in the SWAP initiative because you were there since the very beginning, since 2017, even when we were in the pilot phase. So thank you very much for your support, not only in SWAP, but any other initiative of the EUIPO. So it's a great pleasure working with you. Thank you very much. And I will pass that along to the people who are involved in this. For our listeners, if you are interested in, in uh, past uh, FICPI 45 webinars and podcasts, please visit the FICP.org website. For now, this is the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. If you have any questions about the topics discussed in this podcast, you can sign up for free and message us, ficp.org. You can also find out more of what's to come on the FICP Focus 45 podcast series, either on the events page of our website, LinkedIn, or via our newsletter. See you next time.